are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Good morning, sir. Hey, I forgot to ask, do you record video? I am recording video. Do you use the video? Nope. Okay, all right. I'm being a bum around the house this morning, and I was like, if he uses the video, I'll go put on a Hawaiian shirt and turn on my lights and got a persona to keep up. But You do. And uh, matter of fact, this morning when I got up, I've got to do something with my microphone because if I don't talk directly into it, it doesn't sound good. But if I'm talking directly into it, you don't see my face. So maybe (laughs) I can... Recording video, that's not too bad. That's true. That's true. I have have another mic and I think I I like it a little bit better, but when I moved for whatever reason, like I, I I need to fiddle with it. I tried to record or I recorded the podcast two days ago and I, I couldn't get my computer to pick the audio up from it again. So I'm just using this headset I bought a while ago, but it seems to work fine. It, uh, it sounds amazing. It might be one of those things that I, I may find out which one you're using. Cause that sounds really good. Yeah, it, it 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 was a whopping seventy bucks, but it looks nice. retarded. So, which well, is why I don't I don't like wearing it because I record the video. <laughs> like that's I've true. Got this alien thing on my head, but you look like you're landing a plane, but that's okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> Chocks. Um, no, I bought it because when I was in Missouri on leave, uh, the Millennial Real Estate Investor podcast, they hit me up and they were like, "Hey, dude, uh, I'm not going to be able to make it for a recording tomorrow. You want a co-host?" And I was like, "Yes." Yes. Oh shit! I don't have anything. Uh, <laughs> so I have to go buy a headset and some other things for my computer. But well, it, it sounds amazing. So I, I will. Uh, I'll have to get that make and model from you because yeah. I may do that. Uh, I need another option anyway because my kids will come in here and mess with this, and that I could put up on the shelf where they can't reach, or at least I think they can't reach. And then I'll probably come in here one day and they've put some boxes up and crawled yeah. up and put everything down. Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> Man, I did my best. Uh, so the place I'm working now, we have Hawaiian shirt Friday. And so this is Saturday morning, right? So yesterday and every Friday since I started, they're like, dude, you've got to get you a Hawaiian shirt. There's this place right down the road. A couple of guys have offered to take me. Like, no, I got it. I got it. I got to do this. I know. Uh, and then last night we were at dinner with some friends and this man walks up uh, and he and his, it's like a three or four year old son had on similar Hawaiian shirts. And I was like, oh, I got to take my son. We got to go get one of these things. Yeah. So I try, I thought I had one and I was going to wear it just for you. Oh. But apparently I don't have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, yeah, my kids both have one or two of them. My, I mean, nice. you know, we lived there for three years. I have yeah. a wall of them. But the cool thing is I moved to San Diego and I walked in the military, uh, the, the exchange here and they yeah. had a whole wall of them. So I guess I'm not going to have to go without. Nice. I'll be able to buy some, but no. So you're in San Diego now, right? Yeah. For okay. two years, the location's great. I thought I was coming to an awesome unit. Uh, turns out that it's going to be really hard to set myself up for transitioning to the civilian world from this job, I think. It's like 
it, I'm high enough up the food chain now that everything I do is classified, apparently, mm. even if it's just movements, which sounds cool. And if I was going to be a Marine for the rest of my life and that was my only goal, right. it would be a really cool job because I get to do a lot of cool stuff. I get to be like top dog on the chain telling yeah. people, you know, yes or no, you can do that. That's approved. That's denied. Here's why you can, you know, all that cool stuff. But dude, I'm living in like our office is it used to be a security vault. There's no windows. There's no like, like no rank has, you know, privilege little office. It's like, you know, I'm one of the lower ranking guys in the office, which is a nice or a weird change. But like sitting like desk to desk throughout the, you know, with all these people, it's like no privacy, no peace. We can't have our phones in the building. And it's like 10, 12 hours a day. Next week, I'm working Monday for like 14 days straight, like six in the morning to seven at night. I'm like, how am I supposed to get anything done with my life? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, the we'll good thing is probably going to be there for long, right? And yeah. I got uh, my, the end of my contract is October of 2021. So, okay. We'll see. Hopefully, by hopefully then, the I'll- market. So, I, I'm kind of in the same situation, similar, not same, similar uh, in that, you know, I just started a new job. Uh, I'm working from home anymore. I'm not working from home anymore. So there's about an hour or two of commuting that I, I don't have as much. And uh, the new, just the new job aspect, there's a lot going on that I'm, uh, I'm reading Atomic Habits, which if you haven't read, highly That's recommend. And it goes through, it's justifying how I'm extremely tired at the end of the day when I wasn't before, because I'm getting used to all these different things, you know? Uh, it, but it is definitely thrown a curveball on my investing. And, but the way I've been justified that is the market's extremely hot right now anyway. Is it really throwing me a curveball or is it, is it helping me invest smarter? Right. And, yeah. and so I don't know, maybe, maybe you've had similar thoughts that look, I'm just going to head down, do this, wait for the market to have that correction that everybody predicts is happening. And yeah, that's why I'm renting a house here in, San yeah. Diego, because I, I looked at the was it 2006, the median market high for before the crash, 2006, 2007, whenever that date was, yeah. and it was like seventy to eighty thousand dollars less than where I'm at right now. So yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> the market, the market could, I mean, the market could still go up. It but, could, yeah. But do yeah. I feel confident enough to think that the market in two years will go up enough to cover a real estate agent's commission when I move out? Yeah. And, no, the yeah. odds are definitely in my favor for losing money. And I don't feel like keeping a house here in San Diego and having to set up a whole team for the next 20 years just because I wanted to buy a house. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and mind you, I'd be paying a half a million dollars for the house. So I'd rather buy an apartment complex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know my biggest, my biggest, like in my head right now is trying to debate. I've owned this 10 unit for 18 months. And it's probably appraised. It's it should be worth like eighty to a hundred more than what I paid for it. Oh wow! Which yeah. considering that I put ten grand down is is a nice appraisal difference. Um, Absolutely. So I'm trying to figure out: Do I want to hold it because it still cash flows? You know, a hundred percent cash on cash a year. Yeah. Or do I want to sell and eat the cap? capital gains so that I can pocket some or do I want a 1031? I'm leaning on, it's really coming down to do I 1031 or do I cash out refi? Because if I cash out refi, you know, you run the risk of not being able to sell it five years down the road. But yeah, 1031, 
I no longer have twelve hundred dollars a month in cash flow. So yeah, <laughs> can't I just make up my mind. I just went through a ten thirty one exchange myself, um, and my time lapsed before I identified. Oh, which you know, it, I need to have a conversation with my CPA about. Um, Hey, what do I need to do now? So I'm not really, <laughs> you know, come next year, beginning of next year, I'm not coming to you and said, okay, how can we do this? What do I need to do now? I need to have that conversation with myself. I'm to do less. But um, a couple of things that led to that. Number one, I was having trouble finding opportunities that were remotely close to, to our criteria, right? So I'll pat myself on the back for for sticking to it, being laser focused, as they yeah, say. I just, I just bailed on a close yesterday. Did you really? Uh, so let's talk about that. Oh, oh, hey, are we like official right now? Yeah. Oh. We're officially having virtual coffee. Just I chatting, like, man. I like it. I should have gotten oh. coffee instead of water. I'm failing as a human disgrace well, to the military. <laughs> so every morning I get up, uh, first thing I do is drink water, right? Because... If you sleep like a rock, like I do, my wife lets me do this because of the young kids we have in the house. Yeah, I'm, it's like seven or eight hours since I had something to drink before, so it's it's always a cup or two of water with all the meds that I have to take to take oh, to stay sane. Yeah, right? Uh, I'm just kidding. There's only like one that I have to have. Just one. Yeah. It yeah, no, comes in the form of alcohol, but it's okay. Oh, yeah. No, so I've been, uh, I've been all messed up since this move. I'm trying to get myself back in routine. Last night, I did something that I haven't done in I don't even know how long without a crazy time change, and that's that I stayed up till midnight without party, like without a reason, which oh, was, wow. I was like, what am I doing awake right now? Go to sleep, body. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> then, of course, today I hit snooze like from instead of four, it was five, and now I'm all frustrated at myself for being a bum when in reality I'm home alone this weekend. So like I'm going to get a ton done this. In fact, while we're chatting, I'm going to yeah. try this today. We're, what is uh, that? It's, it's Instacart. It's okay. uh, it is like Uber except you grocery shop for people. So this is a, a credit card that they send me that I will like go to a grocery store for someone. I haven't done it yet today. It'll be the first day, but like theoretically I go buy their list of groceries and deliver it to their house, which piqued my interest for a couple of reasons. One, Uber's great, but you got to worry about all the downsides, people in your car, people trashing mm -hmm. your car, can't listen to music in your car or can't listen to podcasts in your car. So this, yeah. I can listen to whatever I want. It's kind of on my schedule, but it kind of dawned on me. Like the only people who are going to pay to have someone get their groceries are people that would be worth getting around anyway. Yeah. So, you know, even if I don't make any decent tips, which I'd imagine will be better than whatever, you know, maybe if I, there's no uniform, so I'm going to wear one of my branded shirts. Oh, yeah. And, you know, maybe <laughs> I make some connections along the way, or at least just say, like, what, oh, what got you into this? Oh, I'm just making extra money to invest in real estate. Oh, hey, you know, so I don't know. I figured it's a way to make a couple, couple hundred extra bucks here and there throughout weekends while I'm going to sit around and listen to audiobooks anyway. I might as well drive my car around. So there you go. There you go. You know, it's, um, we, we saw this come out probably about a year or two ago where we live. It's not Instacart. It's another one. And my wife kind of punches me on the arm really hard. And I was like, what is that for? She goes, you remember five years ago when we were, uh, when I was help managing condos and I came to you with this idea, Hey, people come down on vacation. 
the first thing they do, what do they do when they get here? I was like, well, first thing we do is we go to the grocery store and stock up on groceries. He goes, yeah. How great would it be if somebody could go get those groceries for you, go stock them in the fridge and in the condo you're staying in. And then when you get there, all that's there. You don't have to worry about it. I was like, that's pretty cool, but I probably wouldn't pay anybody to do that. <laughs> now there's whole yeah. business. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's and you know what's funny about that though is like I kicked myself because I'm the same way. And now I'm like, man, but if I had money, I would that would that's one of those things like like I mow my own yard right now. Mm, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have a yard right now, which is actually in fact this place is so new when we moved in. Uh, I'm the first tenant ever in this place. Some guy oh, out of wow. bought it, I guess, like cash, sight unseen. It's brand new development, so it's cool. But like we moved in and the landlord lady was like, hey, uh, do you want real grass or fake grass? It's like, fake. I'm not hey. mowing the yard for two years. <laughs> awesome. They gave you the option, though. Yeah, it was kind of cool. I got to pick the blinds. I got to pick uh, a couple other things. And, you know, it still smells like a new house, which is fresh paint weird. smell. Yeah, so I'm gonna Airbnb the bottom floor out and try to learn how to do that the hard way. So, what do you mean by the hard way? Well, by doing it all myself. Oh. You know, the easy way to Airbnb <laughs> is to find someone to do it for you and just yeah. take seventy percent of the money. But you know, I'm trying to figure if I learn the business, I can talk to it a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you were asking if I was recording earlier. Yes, I'm recording. This is kind of the format of the show. <laughs> I love it. This is, this is great. This is what I do after my podcast. Like, we'll get done. There's there's a few guests. It's funny. Um, I don't know if you know who, like, Phil Capron is. Um, but, like, he and I recorded, and I think our podcast was, like, 25 minutes normal than my normal – or longer than my normal ones. We got done on the podcast. We probably talked for, like, two hours. Nice. On the, and, my, you know, eventually my family's like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. not recording anymore. Just hanging out. Um, building building my network right building my net worth no is that somebody i need to tap into he's a good people he's a retired i guess not retired but he's he's crazy he's got a pretty cool story like the guy was uh a long story short like he used to play poker for a living and then he joined the navy kind of on a lost bet and he was like uh, <laughs> yeah. a SWIC, which is like their special warfare craft crewman or combatant oh, craft oh, crewman. Okay. The little, like the really fast boats you see SEALs messing around with. Yeah. Um, he drove one of those. He got out and he jumped into multifamily. And now he's, I don't know, I think he's got like two or 300 doors. But he's a cool guy. He's he's the guy who like, clo- he does closings with like a t-shirt on that's got a, you know, tie on it. And he's like, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so like punk rock dude that is he's just fun to be around and it's somebody i definitely want to uh connect with i mean he wear uh, he wore a uh a pac-man <laughs> like a full head-to-toe pac-man suit to tedx growth con <laughs> yeah so he's he's good people but anyway if you're listening to this phil uh done stroking your ego yeah <laughs> so, yeah uh, yeah so anyway the one thing that you you were like hey we can talk about that and then we didn't um I don't even remember what that was. So it's uh, <laughs> I failed on a closing, which I really am not excited about. In fact, I actually I felt so bad about it because it's a relationship I want to keep. That even yeah. though there was no earnest money involved, I, I when I told him I wasn't going to be able to close, I was like, "Can I send you a thousand dollars so that we're still on good terms?" Yeah, uh, just because you know. So it was a a wholesaler that I I'd followed his website a little bit, and I met him. He came to one of my my meetup when I was in Missouri for a month, and. Uh, he had a couple properties up and I was like, I'll take that one and that one. Okay. Um, 
And so I closed on one like 10 days later and then, and that was all cash. Uh, it was all cash. And then I was going to just, I've never actually done a flip solo. I've been partnered on a few in Hawaii, but I, yeah. which is funny because those are, you know, half a million, million dollars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this is like a bought the house for 11 grand. What do I got to lose? Yeah. So <laughs> it's going to be like 50,000 renovation, but it should be worth 100, 110, 95, nice. somewhere yeah. in there. And How did uh, you find one for eleven grand? Oh, for the hell, for the wholesaler. Yeah, you know what's crazy oh, wow. about that is I bought this thing for eleven grand, and he still made like he three still. Yeah, I was gonna so. say he probably. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is Missouri, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it wasn't in great shape by any means, but like there was a little bit of structural damage, but it was really just it's old and it had been vacant. It wasn't. I mean, the structural. I think I spent like. 1500 2000 to get the structural fix so it wasn't anything like end of the world and then yeah. we popped the roof off and we're putting a master suite upstairs to take it from a 2-1 to a 3-2 and um <coughs> yeah anyway so i don't know yeah. no it's I closed on that one uh but then the second one the contractor who is doing the first one went and walked through it with me and at first glance everything seemed all right but when we went back through to do the full bid he he was like hey man you got to get an inspector in here there's something up and we couldn't it's occupied and it was kind of hard to mm, yeah. get a thorough look the first time cuz the tenants were really just they're just being in the way um yeah. damn you know, tenants 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 who realize that they're about to get ousted yeah uh, are not the most friendly for helping you with your renovation plans apparently yeah uh, because the guy i guess hadn't told him he was selling it and i guess he hadn't told them <laughs> that the guy he was selling it to didn't want them as tenants to say <laughs> i mean yeah. it, would, it would cash flow it was like it was a twenty five thousand dollar purchase and they'd been living there for 10 years at 500 bucks a month uh so even though it should be like wow. a month it would have yeah. cash flowed fine but they were like two people on a lease with six people in the house and mm. they were, they'd done some, the basement didn't have walls, but now they did. Now they do. For 10 years, man. It's uh, yeah, yeah. They, they basically, it was their house and I was like, yeah. they're never going to move out. But when we got the inspector in, there were just some, some very strange, like none of the HVAC worked. The roof was missing supporting beams. The uh, floors were a little spongier than I wanted. The basement floods, and I was like, "Man, there's there's no way that I'll come in anywhere close to what I had planned as a renovation budget for this." And I had two lenders. I was going to do either a construction loan on that one or a private money. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, "I'm not, I'm not partnering on this one. I don't want to, I don't want to lose." Well, I mean, one of them wouldn't have done it anyway, but it, it's not worth. You know, sometimes it's just better to just not close on something as crappy yeah. as so. how much how much did that cost you to go through that process with your general contractor and your inspector oh well my my gc actually i did tell him to bill me for walking through so uh probably for the inspector and the general contractor maybe 500 bucks okay. so not that bad and then of course i threw a thousand at the guy because i felt bad about walking yeah. but that's yeah. just more because i figured that relationship will be fruitful in the future yeah, and think of the headaches you saved yourself, right? Is oh yeah, I mean that's a really expensive uh, Tylenol, <laughs> but uh, well worth it, right? From yeah. uh, from doing that, that's that's awesome. Um, and and kudos to you for saying, look, this is this is not this is outside of my wheelhouse. I've got to back off. Uh, I've never flipped a house either, which is um, surprising to a lot of folks. I don't know. 
if I represent myself wrong or if they just say, Hey, he's invest, he's in real estate investing. That's the sexy thing. Everyone's got it. Well, yeah, that's, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not sexy. So no, in fact, I, I planned on burring this one at first, but I learned that you hard money or whatever is like, nobody, nobody wants to play the hard money game if they're putting less than 75,000 like lending less than 75 grand. So oh, because wow. okay. the deal was going to cost me less than 75,000 all in, even though the numbers were great, nobody would lend me the money for hard money. So I was like, you know what? Well, I'm not trying to, I, I, I just decided it would be easier to just flip it and get my, get some capital back, yeah. pay some legal fees and, you know, get my finances back on track. Uh, something else I've never done is hard money lending on either side. I'm hoping to, um, I don't know. I've got some, um, I've got some play. I, I should not call it play money. Uh, I've got some money, money. that I've got, huh? <laughs> Said monopoly money. Yeah, it's it's not. It's it's uh, it's actual cash that's sitting in my bank account. Uh, we we had a good return on a duplex we just sold that we held for three years, and uh, half of it's going to a multifamily investment in Greenville. So I get to be a limited partner for the first time. Nice, um, and then. Uh, the other half, uh, there's another opportunity in Texas that we may do that, but I, I kind of want to, because um, uh, the numbers look great, you know, and the Texas property looks great. Housing is it? Uh, well, the name of yeah, the name of it was suggested. It is student housing. So, are you against student housing? No, no. I I wonder if we're. I wonder if it's the same. What capital group is it? We can chat offline. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I know a guy that uh, I may be doing some some work with a little bit, and yeah. that sounds like the same areas. So <laughs> just curious, It'd be funny. Yeah. So we can uh, we'll definitely talk about that. Does Maybe. that mean we're partners if neither of us knows that we have money in the same deal? <laughs> well, we would we would know once the documents came out, right? We would know that. Like, oh, hey, look. Oh, oh well, yeah, man. <laughs> Look at that, Jay. And Is I that uh, no? Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk offline. Okay, sounds good. Hey, I know one of the things I want to touch on uh, from your brand perspective, from military to millionaire, right? Is that yeah. you really focus on uh, financial education, right? And really getting into. First of all, let me back up. You're an active duty Marine, but I don't know your rank for some reason. Uh, Staff sergeant. Staff sergeant which sounds like a pretty it's somewhere up there. It's badass uh, thing to do. And in, in this bunker that you're working in all this top secret shit, that's pretty awesome. Uh, it's, um, what's funny is it's not nearly as secret as you would think for, I think what it is is they just didn't have anyone else to put in this wallless or windowless cell of a building. So we yeah. locked out. But, uh, keeps you focused, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, I say all of this. Get it's, actually, get... it's actually a pretty cool job, and I'm yeah. surrounded by some really high caliber people. Yeah. So, it, so you know, I, you know, anyone listening to this, I'm really not like whining. It's just. Oh, I yeah, I didn't take that at all. <laughs> hard adjustment to go from, you know, Hawaii, great views, pretty relaxed work environment, able yeah. to go home and record a podcast mm-hmm. during lunch to you know, none of that, but yeah, it's an adjustment, right? We're and yeah. you and I are both going through adjustment periods where my, I, I used to have, um, lunch and, uh, recordings at lunchtime as well. You don't see that on my calendar anymore because it would take me 30 minutes to get here, take me 30 minutes to get back. Yep. And I'm not going to do it in the office. I've done one in the office, but it was after hours. And, um, it's just, 
you know, you never know who's going to, if they see you in there, they're assuming that you're not at lunch, which is fine, you know, um, but also don't have all this equipment. However, if I get that headset that you have right there, that may be something that I, I do because I like, I like the sound of it. Um, but you focus on financial education, right? And you, which is something that, that I don't do as much of. Matter of fact, I was looking at your website earlier, uh, one the blog posts you have, uh, was talking about the velocity of money. So I, and I was learning from it actually. So I've never really heard of, yeah, <laughs> I've never really heard of or, or practiced the rule of 72. That was fascinating for me. Uh, to see that. So can you help me understand, and I'll make a link to that actual blog post um, in the show notes, but help me understand what the rule of 72 is. I appreciate the link. So the, it's it's just, it's just a rule of thumb, you know, like the 1% rule. All it is, is a way to divide an interest or a, yeah, an interest rate to determine how long it'll take your money to double. Okay. So if you receive a 1% interest rate on anything, basically you, you divide 72 by the interest rate and it'll tell, so a 1% interest rate would take you 72 years to double your, double the money you invested. Gotcha. Why 72? Where does that come from? So no, that's a great question. Genius sure math. <laughs> I need to answer that. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and just say it's got to be Albert Einstein. That way I can say it was someone really smart. I, so, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> it's just, you know what? It's something that they taught us in the command, command financial specialist program for the military as okay. just a way to help because Marines are, I say Marines, military. I don't want to say we're dumb, right? That's that's the joke is that Marines are dumb. Um, so we need to break this down Barney style for them to understand it. But, you know, the reality is that it's just easier when you can explain something in a simple term. So instead of telling someone like, oh, man, you got a 20% interest rate on this. That's great. You know, here, let me sh- tell you why that's great. It's just easier to say, hey, dude, at, you know, 10%, it'll take you 7.2 years to double your money. But it Yeah, it'll only take you 3.6. Yeah, I've never heard, you know, as much podcasts I listen to and blogs I listen to, I've never heard that before. So when I saw it, I was like, so maybe I would qualify as a Marine from the mental standpoint, uh, physical standpoint, no. But from the mental standpoint, I'm like, hey, you guys just explained it to me where I can understand it. So check, (laughs) you know, because I've never heard or never seen, or I don't recall, I've, I've probably commented on a blog post somewhere that says this is the rule of 72, but I it just, one of those things where I, if I don't use it, I uh, forget about it. But when I saw that this morning, I was trying to find some stuff <laughs> this morning. <laughs> it's been a long week, man. It's, it's oh. been kind of crazy. Uh, the company week. I'm working for is growing like crazy. I'm in meetings all day. Uh, I'm, we, I'm interviewing like two people a day. Uh, it's it's a fun, exciting atmosphere to be in. But with that and getting used to the the new uh, baby and the new job role, it's it's been. I, I don't do as much due diligence as I should be on these. Oh, I, so that's why I do them like this because there's very little editing and it's, it's just part of the show, right? So, but when I was looking this morning, I saw that I was like, we're gonna have to tap into that because I've never. I don't recall the rule of seventy two or seeing that before, and it just it was one of those things like I'm pretty good at what third grade math or fourth grade math yeah. I didn't do this on the fly. I don't have to figure out, you know, Oh, what's your, what's your anticipated ROI. Okay. So that means I can do my, cool. That's good. Yeah. It's a handy little 
it's a fun little tool. If nothing else, you can impress your friends, I guess. I don't know. I got to have friends to impress. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that is one of the things on the financial education piece. And then another thing I wanted to tap into for sure is you made a post about you never want to be debt free, right? Yeah, and yeah, everyone off. Yeah, no. Well, it's 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 one of those things. Either you're you're a Dave Ramsey, you know, drinking the Dave Ramsey Kool Aid, and like I can't have any debt or I'm gonna go to hell kind of thing. I'm just kidding. He doesn't say that, but it does yeah. seem like it's it's never get a debt. You know, don't. Don't do anything with credit cards. Cut them up, you know, which I will, I probably should have prefaced that with where we really got our start um, with investing is I followed some of the key principles, the baby steps that he talks about, paying off some things, getting, you know, we had a third car, I had a Jeep, got sold it, and there was some startup money, you know, for us to, to invest in. Uh, I sold my, or um, yeah, I sold my, um, or cashed out, not sold, cashed out a whole life insurance policy that I had that had extremely horrible returns. You know, I'd had it for 10 years and it was essentially worth the same, uh, same worth the same amount of money that it was when I opened it 10 years ago. Um, but I got that one. So that was a little bit of a startup money for us, right? So there's some some good stuff that I think comes out of Dave Ramsey, but he's selling this product of debt-free, right? And one of the things that I love about my job is I get to help coach people, uh, not only about their pers- or employment lives, but their personal lives. And uh, I was talking to one of my, the ladies that works for me, and I said, and I just asked her a question because she was telling me what she wants to do, right? Uh, and <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was like, well, do you want to be debt-free or do you want to be financially free? And she goes, what's the difference? I was like, mm. yes, <laughs> let's have this conversation. So, yeah. you know, I think there's a big stigma of people not understanding what the difference is, right? And I loved your post about, I never want to be debt-free. <laughs> you know, and I was like, and it definitely will stir the pot with the, the fire movement crowd. I know right? I need to share it in a FinCon and let people just tear me to shreds. You should. You should. I, You're, I'll do it for you. How about that? <laughs> there you go. That works. So I think the, <laughs> uh, Dave Ramsey, I think the happy median for people is Dave Ramsey is a great way to get you from negative to zero. And then yeah. I stop listening because to get from zero to grow, it doesn't take debt, but it yeah. definitely can help. And you know, I say that, but I look at if you were to look at my credit card right now, you'd be like, "Why is this guy talking about finances?" I have between the move and my wife's car trying to blow up and costing a fortune and legal fees, and you know, my credit card is probably higher than it's ever been right now. It's not the end of the world, but it is definitely not where I want to be. So I actually had to come to terms this week with like, okay, I need to stop one of my allotments for a little bit just to pay that back down. Cause that's bad debt. You know, that's like yeah. 12% interest, 13% interest on crap that, you know, I mean, granted some of it, some of it I needed to, you know, I wasn't about to part of it's like, like I said, like $7,000 of legal fees. So it's like, yeah. that's a necessary expense. And <clears throat> I should get that back here in a few months when I win all this mess. So, uh, is that where your, um, your deal out in Hawaii? Uh, no, no, no. That's it's in Missouri. Yeah, I can't talk too much on it, but yeah, yeah it's, uh, but you and I've chatted about that before and you're like, I can't talk about it now, but once it's done, maybe I can. Is that the same yeah. situation? 
Yeah, so okay. large deal, lease option purchase, things just didn't work out. There's some yeah. contract things that, you know, weren't it is what it is. So just yeah. trying to get my, my down payment back. Yep. Um, you know, it, it we'll see how that all works out in the long run. Uh hopefully it works out. I think it'll I think it'll be fine. I mean, there's some yeah. very black and white, not up for interpretation things that like the, the well, seller's just not wanting to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so, yeah, let's so get that past that topic. I don't want to mess you up. <laughs> I got all this massive credit card debt. So now I feel all bad and I'm going to have to be dumping money into it to try to pay that down, which, which is really why I'm going to be driving around for Instacart, try to make a little extra cash and then Airbnb in my house to pay that down as fast as possible and then reinvest that. So the hope is that when I get out of the military in two years or I'll probably transition into the reserves, um, the hope is that I will have essentially replace my income by then so that I yeah. can focus solely on the brand and the net networking and all that fun stuff. But so, you know, I think people are going to listen to this. Wait a minute. This guy's got, uh, which we didn't even talk to touch on is the number of units you have in your portfolio. And now he's, he's getting a second job, right? Dr- delivering groceries and like, I don't need to be listening to this guy. What's he? What What does he know, right? And I'm like, well, you, you know, if, I, if somebody else like asked me that, okay, let's just think about what we just heard. Here's a guy who recognized that he's a little uncomfortable where he is financially on the bad debt side, and we can get back to the bad debt versus good debt. Oh yeah, conversation. But um, and he's willing to hustle his way to get out of that. Right, which is a Dave Ramsey principle. Number one of the Dave Ramsey principles I like. Not thinking it's going to be, you know, you, you're not going to be delivering fans to cart forever. Uh, maybe you are. I don't know, but you, you justified it pretty well it at the beginning. Yeah, it could be. Well, you you know, like you're talking about this weekend, you're kind of bashing it up uh, this weekend. And if you're just going to sit around and and listen to podcasts and listen to books, um you know, why not get paid to do that essentially? So it's, yeah. it's pretty incredible uh, for you to do that. Um, There's only so many blog posts and YouTube videos that I can write and film in a house <laughs> need to yeah. go drive somewhere anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Which I, you asked me earlier if I was going to use the video and I, I don't because it takes me so much long. I'm so much more meticulous about the video than I am about the audio. So I don't, that's why I don't do the video. Yeah. And plus I'm lazy, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So um good uh number of units. I forgot to ask you because I what's your current count right now? Uh, I'm currently just at fourteen. Uh that okay. that that one that did not work out so well was forty. Um okay. so that's uh well I, I don't count any any L, LP stuff in my unit count. Um, I do. Makes me I, sound better. Yeah. <laughs> I I I have some some LP stuff, but as far as me on the deed or my LLC on the deed, uh, currently 14 units, um, all of which with less than 6% down. I think I think 5.9 is the most I've ever put down on a property. Wow. Uh, well, okay, no, that's not true anymore because I paid cash for this little flip. But that was 11 grand, so I think that's still pretty pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the the one that the lawsuit is embroiled around is a, a 40 unit that I... So theoretically, I would have had, you know, so whenever I get, we have 165,000 tied up in that right now. So whenever I get that money mm-hmm. back, I'll 
have another 10 or 20 on that depending on what I do with it. Yeah. Is it fair to count the number of doors that you're an, an LP in or no? Why, I, why I think you... it totally is. I'm just like, I, I, I don't just because I like to, I, I don't know. I really don't know why I don't. I've just always told myself like, nope. <laughs> Cause so we're in, um, 49 doors right now, which we're, uh, we're either on the deed or we're the general partner in, right? I think it's 49. I lose count, which is kind of scary. Yeah, it's but weird. this um, this deal in Greenville that we're looking at, it's 174. You know, and I was looking forward to making the post. Hey, we just went from 42 to 170 or 49 to 174 plus whatever that math is, 200 something. I was like, but now you have me thinking, am I going to be a schmuck if I if I do that? So the I think I think what it boils down to is and this is not everyone right you own 49 doors so if you post that and somebody says something you're like well look dude the first 25 percent of that is me operating yeah Uh, but i run into people who are real estate investors and i'm not going to say you're not a real estate investor if you're in an lp that's definitely not the case but i've run into people who you know they they at meetups and they talk about this that and the other and it's always like oh i have and then you start talking to them and they're the guy who only owns lp and you're like i mean that's cool man but like you know it's it's almost like a i don't want to say like a trophy but participation i've just run into a couple of people <laughs> who like go out of their way to point out how many units they have and talk about how great an investor they are and then when you really boil it down you're like well you don't you didn't even operate a single unit yeah. And so for that reason, on more of a just it frustrated me personally. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, eh, whatever. So that's like somebody who says, I own Google, you know, and you're like, oh, well, how many shares do you have? Well, one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> Identically, yeah. you are an owner, right? You're, yeah, exactly. you're, correct. you're a shareholder. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> which, um, yeah, which is why the military told us we're not allowed to invest in CBD companies. Uh, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> so they, they they literally posted it was like six months ago. The DoD is not allowed to invest in any company that partakes in like CBD, marijuana, whatever. Right? Like we can't do it, so they don't want us investing in it. I guess that kind of makes sense. But I started thinking about it, and I have yet to write this letter. But I'm thinking about writing it all the way up to the DoD to just be like, hey, uh, FYI, uh, you know, since we're banning investments based on what the investment represents. Um, we have these things called the thrift savings plan, our 401k. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that there's some Coca-Cola and Marlboro stocks in there. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that since Coca-Cola is testing CBD drinks and Marlboro's messing with marijuana cigarettes, that uh, we should probably not be allowed to invest in our 401k anymore. And yeah. I've kind of thought about writing all that out as a blog post and seeing if it'll go viral. But I just kind of like, yeah, it's not worth being the guy to like there's there's controversial posts that get people riled up and then there's controversial posts where i should probably leave they my, get people yeah <laughs> demoted, I'd, demoted. <laughs> I'd probably need to not not mess with that until later on in life so but, coca-cola is experimenting with a cbd drink? I, I i you know i would need to go do some some more background it wouldn't surprise me right and then the, they're gonna Probably not under the Coca-Cola label, but maybe not. Maybe I have not. read most beverage uh, companies that I uh, that I've been familiar with are in some facet or another. You know, it's it's a brand new market. So if Coca-Cola yeah. is not messing with that at all, uh, maybe that's because they want to stay true. But I would say they're they're 
probably doing something wrong because that's a very clearly emerging market that they yeah. should be messing with on some level, right? And, and how far of a stretch would it be for them to go to cocaine to marijuana? I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, know right? I, I love the meme out there that said, where it says uh, it's an old man talking to a younger guy and, he's a, and the old man says, back in my day, we used to do, and he lists all these different things they used to do before 8 a.m., you know? And uh, and the, the response from the younger man was, yeah, back in your day, they used to put cocaine in Coke. So, yeah. <laughs> or Coca-Cola. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fair point. You had the... Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Anyway, so... <laughs> rabbit trails uh, about marijuana stocks, which is... You know what's funny about that? And I should probably not say this on recorded television, but it was before that came out, so I didn't know. But I have a buddy who runs a marijuana dis- dispensary type business yeah. and he hit me up i don't know probably a year ago and he was like hey man uh you know i know you do some investing i just wanted to hit you up basically it was like my my paypal is some something went wrong with his paypal and it was holding money that he needed for funds for his business for that week or whatever it was some weird he's hmm. like if you lend me the money i'll give you it was it came out to like a it was like a 10 percent return but it was like a one week turnaround oh, wow. um, and i was like Okay, so shot him the money, you know, got it. It was, I think it was only like two grand, but it was like, sent him two grand, got 2,200 back seven days later. Uh, you know, and I had been doing that a little bit. And then they come out with this. I was like, I should probably stop lending this guy money, even if it's not. Well, but, technically, you're loaning your buddy money, that's right? That's true. You're not loaning it into a CBD entity. What he chooses to do with the money is up to his business, right? Yeah. So, and he technically doesn't sell marijuana either. Uh, I want to say the way his business works is that he sells $100 chocolate bars and then <laughs> you get receive the gift of you know, an ounce or whatever. Oh, the uh, loopholes that are being found so, in that whole thing. <laughs> you know, I, totally not my thing. I've never done any of that, but I mean, it's an emerging market if you can get in it on is, it. It is, it is, man. I, I get, I get at least one message uh, on Facebook a week about um good lord i just got the text about our power bill and it's quite high oh. <laughs> sorry um it's all good but yeah it's it what well, i mean it is the later part of july in florida so it's uh expected you know yeah um <clears throat> but yeah it's one of those things where it is an emerging market and all these things that you know it, it's crazy to, to see the stuff and I'm like dude get out of here you're not you're not real I'll own the building that you want to sell the stuff in you know but I don't want to I don't want to partake it's kind of like the in the latest uh, Bitcoin you know it's the latest yeah, thing guys, my Instagram it's like every third message is either Bitcoin or Forex and they're always like you lend me $500 and I'll give you 5000 at the end of the week and I'm like yeah okay yeah okay. yeah but <laughs> It's a mess. Um, let's see what else I want to talk about. Um, so you mentioned, so you've got those doors. You've got multifamily. Uh, you just recently started doing some flips, right? What other strategies have you tapped into? Because that's one of the things that I, you know, I've, I've, I basically went from buying and holding single families to now uh, small multifamilies and, and doing limited partnerships. There's a part of me that wants to do a flip when I have time. And that's kind of a running joke around here right now. But uh, there's part of me that wants to get into hard money lending, be the hard money lender. Uh, but there's things that I don't necessarily know anything about, right? Is that we've had some success with this. 
I guess what I'm trying to get get at is, you know, I get that you're um, everybody should be laser focused. You know, dance with the one that brought you. But when that one starts, you know, dancing with other folks, meaning the market's not as attractive and and all that stuff. When do you look at doing other stuff, and how do you educate yourself on that so you don't take a step back, right, financially? So there was a lot of questions there bundled into one thing, but <laughs> but what other what other? So let's first I'll talk about what other strategies you use. You mentioned burr. Have you done a burr before? I that was the intent with this one. I I want gotcha. to burr. Uh, I really like the idea of that strategy. So I'm the wrong person to ask a question about laser focus. Uh, my not plan. This is not my plan, but the way that I am, I like to teach on things that I know from experience. Yep. You know, obviously if I understand a concept, I can articulate it. But like for me, flipping a house on my own is less about how much money I make as flipping the house on my own and more about, okay, now I've flipped a house on my own. So now I can, I can articulate it it better. Um, so, you know, I've done the house hack, I've done a house hack. I plan on doing another house hack with the VA loan, uh, duplex, fourplex, uh, live in the house, you, you know, the normal, it's a great strategy. That was my first strategy. House Absolutely. cash flows, and it was a great way to reduce my mortgage payment. That's kind of what I'm doing here. Uh, if you factor in the Airbnb, assuming I'm able to make the thousand to fifteen hundred back that I should with that, you know, I'll be not a full house hack, but I'll make half my half my monthly payment back. And then I like I like multifamily. I think long term, you know, I like multifamily. Although I think that market is pretty saturated right now. It almost scares me to see how many people are jumping into the syndication realm. And yeah. some of them are some of them are really, really good. And some of them are gonna get an acquisition fee even if they aren't really, really good. So yeah. you know, there's some stuff going on there that but I like Do you think it's getting saturated or do you think it's always been that saturated? And because I was thinking about this the other the exact same thing the other day. I was like, well you know I used to be real big into kayaking, right? And I first got into it. I got really excited about the sport. Um, and I felt like, okay, this is this is going really well. Uh, as far as I didn't die yet, you know. And and then we got in and, and then I started as the more I talked to people, the more I so I so I dove into the kayaking world and I'm thinking, yeah. wow, this is this is a really growing, booming sport. And then I eventually got tired of it, had a kind of a scary uh, accident that I don't even think my parents know about. So I was like, okay, I'm kind of done with this, right? It was fun. Not going to do that anymore. Um, And then I got out of it. The industry is still booming. I'm not part of it. I'm not in that world anymore, right? But it's still grown. And I got a feeling if I were to tap tap, tap back into it, I would see, you know, that momentum is still there, right? So I kind of feel like the same thing with, and I'm not making a very good point here. Is it because we're, we're now just looking at, or the more we grow our network, right? The more we're exposed to people who are already in it. So we kind of feel like there's, you know, it's getting oversaturated. I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. I don't think I've been in it long enough, right? Sure, that's definitely part of it. I think the part that scares me is that I... I've seen deals that really aren't that great touted as being amazing. And when you really boil it down, it's like, there's not a whole lot of value add in there. There's not a whole lot of 
equity there when you first buy it. And so the play is it will appreciate. And, mm. you know, and that's, that's not the guys who are good, right? The guys who have been doing this for a while, that's not them. But there are guys out there who uh, that's kind of their model is, hey, I make money off the acquisition fee and I'll make money when it goes up in value. Well, what if it doesn't? And I think I've seen more of that. So in my market in uh, Missouri, I bought this 10 unit for uh, like 22 a door. And I had bought, and that's that's low. It was a C class. It needed value add. It's probably like 30, 30, 31, 34 a door now. Um, but you know, 25 to 35 a door is kind of kind of the norm um, for you know C B class properties, and like an eight and a half cap. And what I'm okay. seeing on the market now is people posting stuff at six caps in a market that doesn't even come close to warranting a six cap and being so stuck at that value that the property doesn't sell. Yeah. And it's, it's becoming more common. It just feels like the prices are getting overly inflated, which is why, it, you know, even when I get the money back out of this big deal, if it's not a solid off market multifamily, I don't really know that there's a big play in that right now. The, the value add is just not where it was you know, a few, few years ago. Two, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that kind of scares me that margin being, it, it's not as, uh, not as appealing as it once was. I'm with you. Um, it's kind of changed my focus a little bit uh, there as well. So how do you vet those syndicators though? Because one of the things I do, like I'm just, my first limited partnership, right, is uh, it's going to close in a couple of weeks. Uh, it was an off-market deal that they got uh, at a really great price. Uh, and when I say that, it um, appraised tremendously more than what we're acquiring it at. So I see that as, okay, these guys know what they're doing. I've been tracking them for a while. I've had one-on-one conversations. I've met a couple of them in person. I don't think it's somebody who's just going to, number one, take my money and run. Number two take my money and uh, do bad stuff with it, right? Like not hit the returns. But how do you, that's how I've kind of vetted them, but I don't necessarily know that's the best way, right? I'm getting comfortable with them. They have a really good track record of um, uh, paying their investors. But then there's the flip side of that coin, right? Is that there's also people who don't. And, And unless you're tied into that, kind of world, you don't necessarily know who to go with and who not to go with. I don't know that I'm tapped in enough. I'm, I'm kind of going out there and, and making sure that I uh, get some of that experience here, but it could be at a very pricey uh, lesson, right? We talked about the $1,500 Tylenol. This would be a lot more than $1,500. I would be great to pay that for a bottle of Tylenol, but you can, how do you, so how do you vet those syndicators? What are some of the things that you do personally to vet, vet those guys? Well, the funny thing is the hard answer is track record, right? But yeah. some of those that, that, but in a market out. cycle, everybody could be, you know, you could, you could be hitting it if you time yeah. it just right. And yep. then you get if those blinders it. on and you're like, well, we've done it before, but yeah, it's a little bit different market, you know? Yeah. I, that's, I, I agree. You know, I like the guys who take a deal that doesn't seem like it has a ton of potential and can turn it like there's a, like Ben Labovich. I've seen him post some deals before where you're like, 
holy smokes, that's a big property. That's an expensive property. What's he going to be able to do with that? And then he does this, that, and the other, and he's posting about it. And you're like, okay. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I don't know that this is the right answer. And I'm sure there's better people to ask that. The first thing for me is the network, right? Like I, if, yeah. if, if I don't know you or know people that know you, then you're not, you're not worth partnering with for me at all. Yeah. If, and then, you know, you can look at portfolio size, right? If someone's got a hundred million dollars in real estate, the odds are that they at least somewhat know what they're doing. Uh, but then again, that, you know, that weeds out guys who are getting started and might be the next hundred million por- portfolio and you're getting in with cheaper acquisition fees. I think the, for me, it ultimately kind of falls back on the numbers for the deal. And if you can see, you look through the the problem is people don't like to read, but the actual like partnership agreement, right? So if someone's yeah. taking a a twenty percent acquisition fee, a twenty percent of the sale, uh, you know, and if all their numbers are really high, and you're like, well, I'm getting a fifteen percent return, but this guy's not putting a penny in, and he's making, you know, th- three times what I am. I don't know. It, it, I think it's kind of a warm and fuzzy thing, but for me, it ultimately just comes back to the deal and the breakdown yeah. of the deal. Uh, if I'm comfortable, if it's an asset that I would invest in and I'm okay with their terms, you know, it doesn't seem overly greedy. You know, some, some people, it's almost like the, the Grant Cardone model. And I'm not going to say Grant Cardone's model is ne- necessarily incorrect. His investors do make a good return. They could make a much better return because he takes a large chunk of the pie. And not to say that that's a bad thing, but I think there's a level there where it's like, okay, well, at some point, are you more concerned about the return you're giving your investor or are you more concerned about your return? And I think it needs to be middle ground or more investor focused, you know, than some of these guys, like that's their money, you know, the, yeah. Yeah. the acquisition fee is their money. They don't personally vest anything into the deal. And then, so there's another guy, uh, you know, I, I probably shouldn't be dropping all these names, but uh, Lane, my buddy Lane, um, the guy owns over a thousand doors. And he's a solid guy, and I really like him. And and one of the things that I like is that he always puts money in the deal. Yeah. Always, you know. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool. A lot of guys, you know, you see guys sometimes who, you know, it, it, not to say that there's anything wrong with that. That's awesome. You're getting this three million dollar portfolio without a penny out of your own pocket, and you're getting paid to do it. That's great, but I like to see when someone's dumping their own money into it too. Yeah. To me, to me, that's like, oh, hey, skin in the game, even if it's not a huge chunk of money. Yeah. So yeah I don't know. Got... Sorry. No, no, no. They, they have skin in the game, and I'll tell you, the people that I've been talking to to help uh, participate in some opportunities we looked at uh, in the past that didn't go anywhere. That was their biggest question: was how much are you contributing to the deal? You know, I tell them how much we needed to raise and then how much are you donating? And I was like, well, you know, this one I'm putting in 25, this one I'm not doing anything. And they're like, oh, well, why aren't you putting in anything? I said, well, number one, I'm signing on the loan, right? So that's how I'm associated with the deal. It's, it's, it's basically, if this goes tits up, it's, they're, the bank's going to come to me and say, hey, we need our money. So that's where, and the, you know, so there's different ways to do it. Right, but it's 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 about um, from an investor standpoint knowing your risk tolerance uh, and and being comfortable with the person. You know, one of the things we we just went through some um, solution selling at work, and one of the basic principles of the solution selling was people buy from people, right? And that's essentially the same thing. You got to and you touched on that is you got to know the person, 
Yeah, be comfortable with them, right? Like you're comfortable with your with your buddy Lang. I don't know him. I don't know if he was if he was standing right next to me unless you introduced him and said, "Hey, it's my buddy Lang." I wouldn't know him, and even if then, it would take a while for he and I to build that rapport for me to be comfortable enough to to partner with him on something, right? Because yeah. uh, he's got the track record. But even though he has a track record, I need to know him a little bit more, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's it's interesting. I, I think it's all great, valid points for sure. Yeah. Um, At the end of the day, the best way to vet a syndicator is to know that when you sign the money and send or sign the line and send the money that you feel good about it. You know, if, if everything goes yeah. totally south, if you felt good about it when you closed, at least you know you did what you could. Yeah. If you have buyer's remorse the moment after you send it, mm. probably not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I got to... I don't I gotta, even have buyer's remorse on this deal that went south. I mean, it... Yeah. It went terrible. You want to talk about a ty- expensive Tylenol. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. You know, but I, I know that I did my due diligence and it had potential. And if I was to go back knowing what I know now, there are some things that I would change, but I, the process would have been the same. The things that went wrong were things that, you know, they, they were not supposed to. They were, they yeah. were in writing. Like it's yeah. not, you know, you can't, you can't control that. Well, I think you bring up a good point, though, or a question I want to ask you. If you had to choose a syndicator who's um, who's made sound investments 100% of the time versus a syndicator who's had some bumps along the road, right? Which one would you rather go with in your next? Most people, I think, well, I'm going to go with a guy who's batting 100%. But... I probably should let you ask the answer the question since I asked it and then I'll tell you my answer. <laughs> I I think I'm on the same page you are. I, I think I would be curious to know a couple of things. Number one, the bumps in the road, do they talk about them publicly? To me, that's huge. If you talk about it publicly and it's not like, oh, this went south. Hush, hush. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a huge plus for me. I would I that's why you know I, I look forward to when this thing's closed so I can talk about all my mistakes in the process and what I learned from it. Uh, I think that's a huge, and then I, I think the other would be where they bumps in the road because of things that happened or where they bumps in the road because of things that you did, if that makes sense. So was it a bump yeah. in the road because you poorly, poorly utilized the funds or was it a bump in the road because something happened with the market or, yeah. you know, something, yeah, that's kind of, that would be kind of my curious, uh, piece, but I would generally say if they're open with it like if they use that as a talking point about this is why you don't do x uh, i would probably prefer to go with them because they they've learned you know they at least you know at the end of the day if and it's always a possibility something goes south you know how they'll act about it yeah there's all all things being equal right it's it, i agree with it transparency is number one right because i think that drives trust um, but if there's somebody, you know, like you were mentioning, they start to mumble when you ask them, you know, they start getting real, it's, it lets me know how they're going to handle the next situation that comes up because it will come up again. Right. If they do enough deals, they're going to screw up once. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think there's the reason why I'm, I'm hesitant on, on going with a guy who's batting 100% is because I have this persona built in my head of who that person is. And, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm even guilty of this is when I'm, my confidence level 
goes uh, to almost the, the, what is the labeling of cocky? Mm. And that's when it gets dangerous, right? Yep. Is, and it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It could be, uh, who knows what I'm doing. But if I keep having success at it, um, I, get a little co- I get a little cocky. And that's where I'm like, okay, now I need to pull it back a little bit. I recognize that my wife is a good advocate of helping me understand <laughs> not to be so cocky. And I love that about her. Uh, from time to time, she will say, uh, you know, she'll make some comments that kind of bring me back down to earth and maybe, okay, let me, you know, I'm not thinking the mindset of a, a single guy anymore, right? There's a, there's a family and a few, there's a few mouths that we have to support yeah. and I got to be thinking about that. Uh, so it's, it's um, from an investment standpoint, right? So I never want to, she's real good about keeping me grounded in the fact that, you know, our big goal is to, create generational wealth for not only our kids, our grandkids, and, and possibly their, you know, our great grandkids, which is almost hard to imagine at this point, but it'll happen. Right. Yep. So, but the transparency thing is, is huge. Um, I agree with you. If it's somebody's more transparent, uh, that just creates that trust factor. Right. Yep. Um, and, and, it's, and, you know, at least you, What's the the Mike Tyson quote? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the so face. So they get punched so, in the face. Yeah. You don't know how they're going to act when they get punched in the face. If someone's yep. open with it, you at least like even if they went through this crappy situation, you at least get to see. Well, how did they handle it? Because yeah. you don't know if something goes south on someone who's batting a hundred. Are they going to feel like a moral obligation to ensure that their investors got as much of their money back as humanly possible? Right. Or are they going to keep whatever percentage of the acquisition fee was in the contract just because? Well, that's what was in the contract. Like, yeah. you know, someone who is really hell bent on being providing a service for their investors is going to be willing to take a little bit out of their split to try to make it right with them. Uh, you know, this this big deal that I'm in the the hardest part about the whole thing is that I have a partner, mm. and you know, and I did all the wrong things, right? It's a family member. It's a <laughs> not that not that it matters. Like, he's totally good. He's yeah. he's very well off. Uh, and he's basically been like, yeah, dude, you, you, you make the decisions. Yep. Nope. Like through the entire process, he's just nice. like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. You <laughs> just update me whenever, you know, he's let me make, I've been full operations uh, with, you know, I'll run things by him and ultimately he'll say, well, what do you want to do? And yeah. that's, so it's been a very, very good partnership and I probably couldn't ask for a better partnership, honestly, but I feel terrible. And and, yeah. he, and, he, and I know that he knows that. And he, he's like, dude, don't worry about it. We're in this together. It's no big deal. We'll invest it again. Like he's ready to invest again whenever all this is done. But for me, that got in the way almost of like, I should have terminated the deal like 30 days before I did terminate the deal because I was trying to make it work mm-hmm. because I had a partner in the deal and I didn't want to just pull chocks and lose X amount of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I threw good money at bad, but for me, the hardest part about the whole deal, like I would, if, if we only get 75% of our money back, then it's going to be him getting a hundred percent of his money back and I will get whatever's left over. Yeah. And that's probably not the smartest way to do that. And he would be okay with us splitting it, you know, splitting the losses 50, 50 or whatever. But that's just, I, I don't know. Sorry. You invested with me. We'll reinvest it, but you now have a higher percentage of the deal. Like it's, it, and not to say that a syndicator has that responsibility, but I think there's something to be said for a syndicator who is willing to, you know, take a bite out of their own wallet to ensure their investors 
get the most money back if something goes yeah. out. And the hard thing is you're never really going to see any of that play out because an investor or a syndicator who's willing to do that isn't going to publicize it because they don't they're not doing it to publicize it. Yeah. And a syndicator who's not going to do that, well, to you probably yeah. won't hear that hear about that either. So. Yeah, yeah. No, anyway. I agree with you. I mean, there's you know, there's all different ways a syndicator could do that, right? Is um, most syndicators, if they operate as a general partner, right, then there's probably not only the acquisition fee, but there's the asset management fee that they should get monthly, um, and they could you know not partake in it. Um, is one of the other things they could do to help. But you're right, it, syndicators is is. There are guys, I'm assuming, out there, and everybody's financial situation is different, and it can become a dog-eat-dog world. But at the end of the day, I think the most successful people are going to be the ones that take care of their investors first and them second, regardless of what the operating agreement and the legal documents say, right? Um, At least that's how I plan to operate. (laughs) Yeah. And partner with people who do, right? So um, anyway... Hey man, we we've we're coming up on our, over an hour, which is yeah. amazing. Um, but I'm starting to hear my kids scream and yell in the background. And um, you've been gracious with your time, and I appreciate it. I did get one question from the Facebook group, though. Oh, I think you're going to like this. Uh, where do you buy all of your Hawaiian shirts? <laughs> <laughs> your reputation Arr. precedes you. <laughs> who, who is that? Is that someone? Is that one of my? Uh, Jamie O'Brien. He's actually a guy oh. in my mastermind. I don't know if you know Jamie or not. He's a that's, great. That's not one of my randomos <laughs> who makes a point to comments on mustaches everywhere. Um, <laughs> I have one or two that's like any chance they get, it's like something about the mustache, and it's it, which yeah, why it's which is why I still have it, I guess. But uh, well, you're one of those guys that can pull it off. I can't. I've I've looked at myself <laughs> with just a mustache. It's the, I'm the Jesse Ventura look. So if yeah. you know Jesse Ventura, hook it up. I need to take a father-son picture with him. Um, Ross, when I was in Hawaii, Ross. Ross is the best. It's like okay. 10 bucks for some sweet Hawaiian shirts. They don't carry Hawaiian shirts when you're not in Hawaii. So, uh, you know, Quicksilver and Billabong, some of those surfer companies have them, but they're yeah. way more pricey. The trick, and this is how you know if it's a real Hawaiian shirt, is if the outside of the shirt is more faded than the inside. So if you pick up a Hawaiian ah. shirt and you're like, you're like, why is this inside out? That's a true Hawaiian shirt. Why is that? I, I think it boils down to the look being that it's been out in the sun. Uh, ah, I'm okay. not actually sure if that's the reason, but I just know that that's like, that's the style. So some of my favorite shirts look super faded and worn, but then like if you flip it inside out, it's like vibrant as all get out and you're like, what in the world? But that's just the, that's just the style. That's um, funny. And then, of course, you've got the ones that are like made in Hawaii. Like my, I have a polo that was gifted to me by a real estate agent. It's one of my favorites, but it's a super nice quality, but it's not cheap. Yeah, so, you know, I yeah. can buy eight shirts for the price of that one. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's back to the um, Hawaiian shirt Friday. A um, couple guys have offered to take me to two uh, bills which I go in from time to time. I've just never looked at their Hawaiian shirt collection. But now I'm going to go in there and look for the ones that are fade, that look like they're inside out. So gotta get gotta be authentic here, right? So that's it. Hey, if you have any problems <laughs> finding one, you let me know and I'll I'll get one of my buddies that's still in Hawaii to send you something. <laughs> I will. I might do that. That would be nice to show it. Of course, my I don't know that my boss is all sold on the the Hawaiian shirt Friday. I need to probably chat with him about <laughs> Ah, that's the that's the biggest worry you got at work. I think you'll be all right. Well, sometimes I got to push his buttons too, so uh, <laughs> we like to we like to do that with one another. Speaking of connected, man, what's the best way for people to connect with you? I know you've got uh, several things out there: your website, your Facebook group, 
uh, all sorts of stuff. What's the best way for people to connect with? Or, or what are the best avenues? Since oh, I don't more? like people, so just tell them not to. Tell them no. <laughs> uh, really, you can reach me basically anywhere at from military to millionaire. So that's the website's from military to millionaire.com all one word. It's way too long, but uh, Facebook group will pop up as from military to millionaire Instagram. Instagram is probably the best way if you want me to respond to you. Cause I do all my own responses on there. Um, but you know, cool. find me anywhere. YouTube go subscribe. Yes, that, uh, definitely. Video, which you're not. There's a pillow up there that says. Right. <laughs> I'll definitely make a link to that as well. Um, but yeah, you've got an awesome YouTube channel where you get it again. I don't know how you have time to. Maybe I need to take some editing classes from you, uh, and maybe I'll spin that back up because I just don't. I think it's just because I'm lazy. Actually, if I'm being honest with myself and honest thing with you, it's I'm lazy and I don't want to do that. Editing is probably the number one thing that I need to outsource. And I have told myself that as soon as YouTube is making a certain dollar amount for me, then I will outsource it. Yeah. The problem is that I've kind of begun to enjoy editing. So even though it's a huge mm. time waste, it's fun for me. Yeah. It's going to be a problem because I, I need to outsource it because it's cutting into my day. But David, it's always been a pleasure to talk with you, man. Hopefully we can catch up again soon. I, I really want to talk to you when um, uh, your lawsuit goes through and, and and if you can talk about that afterwards or whatnot to to hear more about that i'm sure there'll be a blog post and a youtube oh, yeah. uh, video that comes out uh that'll get into that because that's one of the things you do on your videos is you get you get in the weeds right and uh, uh, so i appreciate that yeah, and the rule of 72 man i'm telling you you're teaching me so <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna introduce that rule to a lot of people this week i can guarantee you that i was like oh, yeah. you learned that this guy named David. This random Marine with a mustache. And he would he would kick y'all's asses on um, not only physically, but also on Hawaiian shirt Friday. I'm just saying. So. I would never run out of Fridays. <laughs> That's true. All right, buddy. I will talk to you soon. Sounds good, brother. Have a great day. All right. Bye.